Redman plays on, gets the shepherd. He's a good kick of the footy. Redman, Redman, Redman! Three in a row, and the Bombers are in front of the G. Archie Perkins, they know it's there! And the rapture spreads around Marvel Stadium! How good is this, Bomber fans? Welcome back to the flight plan, plotting Essendon's path back to glory and fame. My name is Jasper Chalopar and I'm joined by Todd Davey. This has been a long time coming, Toddy, since the end of the season. We're finally getting back together on this podcast to chat about the draft that's upcoming Monday, the 20th of November and the 21st of November as well. Todd, how are you going, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you before we get into it? Yeah, really well. I was just... Yeah, I was just at ESPN this morning in Richmond. Um, they've got a brand new Schmick studio that we were having a bit of fun in with that podcast. And um, yeah, it's that time of year, mate. It's so busy, but it's like my Christmas coming into it. I, I cannot wait. It's pretty exciting that it's a little bit um, earlier than expected. Normally, right at the end of November, which is cool. Uh, that that waiting period for the draft enthusiasts like you and myself makes it tough, but. Yeah, Monday coming up. Great, some great prospects, and you know we we've heard some great reports. I know you've got us taking O'Sullivan, um, who Mark McVay was very bullish on coming to Essen potentially as a prospect. We'll get into that a little bit further down the line. But before we get into any of it, and we're not going to touch on the end of the season because that was awful. But the off season, <laughs> <laughs> the off season that Essen had, sneaky great little off season there. Uh, didn't really give up too much capital in terms of what we had, but bring in prospects. Really, the only cost of salary cap. What What was your takeaway from you know the great prospects? I thought Mackay was the the absolute linchpin of what we needed. Um, as soon as Zerk Thatcher left, he was the absolute necessity. And if we botched that, it was probably setting us back for five years. You and I discussed that a lot. But Gresham might be the the uh, the coup of that period for me. Um, I was very very eager to get him in, and just the fact that he popped up and we made it happen is great. But you know, what were your takeaways from that off season period? I absolutely love the, and you put it well just before, Tuddy, that we didn't give up anything for these boys except for some salary cap space. And we've got a lot of it. We actually need to reach our 80% threshold um, for next year. And considering the CBA that's just been agreed to means that there's a huge cap increase over the next few years. And the way that we structured deals, I know Adrian Dodoro has been really strong on um, not having a, a cap percentage included in contracts so they stay the same um uh, without the cba being part of it means we're gonna have a lot of cash to spend throughout um the years coming and we we have our picks to to be able to make some big splashes in in the trade and free agency space so that's really exciting for mine i think you know i've been pretty um strong on our youngsters being good and we just need more in that 24 to 26 kind of age bracket to start competing and getting up the ladder a bit more um i think we can do that over the next few years which is really exciting yeah we saw through that midway period of the uh season that guys like joy Corwell started to step up and really have an impact and he was terrific in that game against port adelaide especially he's a guy that's got to step up but it's got to be driven internally, I think. And, you know, it's great to see that Arizona camp that we saw guys like Archie Perkins, who, you know, some of the outsiders potentially have spoken about his commitment to training and whatnot. But to see him go overseas and put him with those boys is a huge, huge tick for him. And those guys look really fit. And 
I, I kind of question what, what the logic of going overseas for a trip like that. Well, why can't you just do it here? But the camaraderie those guys would have built is invaluable. And they all looked awesome, super fit. And yeah, I can't wait to see what these guys produce because they're going to hit the ground running with that preseason, set some pretty high standards for the boys that didn't go across. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that they've gone across altogether, self-funded. That's great. Um, for me, Toddy, I reckon clubs go back too early. I think I think it should be AFL mandated that you can't go back before December 1st or maybe even post-Christmas. I think the off-season is not long enough. I don't think they get to you know, go out and travel or to, to be disciplined by themselves outside of the professional environment um, enough. I think that they kind of need to, these players need to unwind from footy a bit longer than we see it. And the preseason goes for a bit too long for mine, but uh, that is separate to it. I, I love that they went away to Arizona. I'm, I don't know if they've got as much training done as the boys who have stuck around the first through fourth years um, will have done a lot of training at the hangar. Uh, I know they started back up on Monday. So uh, it's, it's good to see that everyone's kind of back training. Everyone looks really fit. Jake Kelly. Toddy, he looks bloody fit right now. Um, and then, yeah, I saw a photo over in Arizona of um, uh, Archie Perkins, Elijah Sardis, and Ben Hobbs all together. And those three are just so important for the future of our footy club. So all of that stuff, I think, is a really really big positive. Yeah, and it looks like it's finally starting to click for these boys that it's got to be internally driven. Um, I'll send you through the quote. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's it's one from the Chicago Bulls from back in 1999, I think it was. And it was about Scotty Pippen, MJ and Dennis Rodman having a competition internally about their body fat percentage. And that basically they drove their own internal standards. And it's awesome to hear that these guys got so competitive that they go in daily and get their skin fold test done and then pay each other for who was the, the best there. It's um, It just immediately made me think of, you know, if you could get these Essen guys driving those standards, that's, going to be such a huge boost to what we can do potentially going forward and exactly what Brad Scott at the end of last said at the end of last season about being AFL elite professionals there's a difference between professional and elite and I think it's clicking for these guys and Andy McGrath especially looks like he's really setting the standard time he looks super fit and yeah and just mentioned that Jake Kelly some of those photos that got me excited <laughs> <laughs> he would have been very happy with those photos <laughs> and also Langford oh my god his arms <laughs> yeah as soon as I saw those photos I was like can I get someone to professionally take me photos of me working uh, out because that made, you... <laughs> made them look amazing <laughs> If you haven't seen him, go go on to the Don's uh, page. Go have a look at Charlie Don's as well on Twitter. He's got some great photos of um, the boys back at the hangar, which is fantastic to see. Um, and then also uh, some of those boys' uh, Instagram work has been great. Sammy Durham over there, uh, Matt Guelphy over there as well. I know they would have been um, been out and saw a bit of college football, some NFL, some, um, some of the Phoenix Suns as well. So they're having the time of their lives over there. I'm not sure if you saw some of the photos that Charlie put up, which were awesome. And shout out to him. He's fucking legend. Um, but some of the photos of Zach Reed looks so much thicker through the um, legs and he's poor. So I reckon it's time for him to start attacking um, the preseason. Well, get, get right into the season and have a real crack at playing some AFL footy. And Harry Jones looked a lot stronger through the upper body. And he's, um, he's got that short-term deal. It's, time for him to get himself fit and prove it. But they're the two injury-prone guys that could make or break a season for Essendon. So it's great to see them already back out there um, getting themselves fit and getting themselves strong because they're both two guys that have looked a little bit frail through their AFL tenure so far. And to put the work into the gym is important for those guys. And it's great to see some of those benefits paying off. 
Yep, I completely agree, Toddy. Um, one last point on competitiveness, elite professionalism, that kind of stuff that you were talking about. That's something that I've really taken into my draft rankings this year with ESPN. And um, I think when I look at when I look at my rankings, the guys that I have higher than maybe consensus other other um, draft watchers are those players who have been really professional or have been have shown their their physicality aggression and competitiveness on the field i love i love players who win 50 50 balls and who are, who have a contested mindset and are, are really rough and and ready to to impact contests so that kind of stuff i've taken into my draft rankings and, it's, and i think it's an asset that essendon has really lacked on their list for a long time even since that you know dean solomon kind of days todd i reckon i reckon we've really lacked that throughout our list and we're, we're slowly building up a few of those guys i think sam durham fits it perfectly but um i would love to see a few more on the dons list yeah definitely and it's it's one thing that sort of came to mind too it's not exactly what you're talking about but i really wanted to get your thoughts on this before we move on to the draft was andy mcgrath over there like looking fit and driving standards i know one of the big factors for him going number one overall was his leadership qualities. He's starting to show that now. And that's a bit of an intangible that you can't teach. And I think, you know, he may not have the skill set of guys like uh, Tim Taranto and um, McCluggage that um, went after him, but fuck, like the leadership skills in the darkest periods are going to be so important. And him driving standards for guys like Sammy Durham, who can take their game to the next level and Perkins, it's, it's invaluable. And I think, you know, we, Dodora got derided a little bit for emphasizing guys with leadership qualities, but fuck, like if Andy McGrath can internalize those setting standards and take it away from the coaches and put it in the players' hands, that's an awesome thing and something that you can't teach. And I'm really, really interested to, well, I've read all your draft rankings. They've been awesome. And it's great that you've thought about it a little bit differently because, you know, that competitive edge and spirit is, it's an intangible, again, like the leadership qualities. And it's probably something we should emphasize going into that, this off season here in this draft, bringing some more competitive beasts and for lack of a better term, some guys with a bit of cum about them because it's, it's really lacked <laughs> on this, uh, on this list for the longest time. Like you said, the Mark Johnson's Dean Solomon's and, and the, and the like, I can't even remember the last one we really had who had a really competitive hard edge, maybe McPhee, but we didn't even draft him, traded him in. So it's been a long time coming. Let's get into the draft then, shall we? Toddy, we have pick nine right now. Um, that's going to blow out by at least two selections on draft nine, I think. So it'll be pick 11. A few of the guys that we've been linked to, I'm going to kind of rattle them off, just describe the the type of play that they are. Firstly, I know a lot of um, Eston supporters have liked the look of a key forward by the name of Nate Caddy. He's the nephew of Josh. He's a little bit bigger than Josh. He has that same kind of barrel-chested physique, though, Um his comp, I think he plays a lot like Charlie Kernow in terms of he's a bit undersized as a key forward, but I have no um, calms that he's going to be a key forward at the next level. He's 193 centimetres, 88 kilos um, as it stands. I have him ranked at number five on my board, and um, he's a chance to get to the Dons, which would be remarkable given that pick will be at number 11. Um, for me, Nate Caddy is like his one wood. He is so good in the air, contested marking. He hits the ball hard. He crashes packs. Um, and then he can wheel around onto his right foot and kick it from 55 meters with a pretty fluid action. So I love all that about him. He can pinch it in the midfield as well. He's really good blow his knees and um, he has pretty, like he's pretty 
smart, I think, on the footy field. And then he's got a bit of mongrel about him as well, which I absolutely love. He's got the bleached hair. He's got the look about him. And um, I think, you know, you look at what Charlie Kerno was going into his draft year. Everyone was like, he's a bit of the wild card of his draft in 2015 when he um, got caught drink driving a few days before the the draft and it kind of sent his stock a little bit down to Carlton in the teens. I think there's a chance that Nate Caddy has a similar story. He's a, t- he's a centimetre taller and a bit bigger than um, Charlie Kerner was in his draft year. So I have no worries at all about him being a key forward size at the next level. What do you reckon about Nate Caddy? What do you think about us needing a key forward at all, Todd? Strong emphasis on getting a key forward in, I reckon. Just It'll be music to the ears of anyone listening now that's a Dons fan, that the pack crashing, wheeling around on the left. It's it's kind of what we saw from a little bit of Nick Cox with his highlights package before he got drafted, that there was like a famous little snippet of him wheeling around both sides of the body, kicking it from 50 out. But um, he sounds like a great prospect. But I really wanted to ask you, and we, I, I sort of floated this to you before we started recording, about if he is within two or three picks of where we're at, would you be prepared to trade up to get him with the knowledge of, say, Geelong... Uh, uh, potentially eyeing him off with maybe a succession plan with Hawkins and um, Jeremy Cameron, or would you kind of let the chips fall where they may and see what happens? Because he sounds like the ideal prospect for us. And it's pretty awesome to see you've got him ranked as, as a top five prospect as talent was, but potentially getting to us at, you know, the 11s with the uh, bids coming in. Yeah, so for me, I think the Demons pick may be up for grabs. They're three spots ahead of us. And then Julia West is the one that a lot of clubs are eyeing off their selection. Um, two spots ahead of us. And Nate Caddy would be available at that spot, I reckon. Uh, what we'd have to get up, give up would be future selections. And I'm not sure, you know, a future second in addition to um, our first rounder would actually get the job done. I think there'd be better uh, options, maybe... Hawthorne offer their future first, which could be a you know a top four pick, or um, maybe even West Coast considers offering their future first if Dan Curtin is still on the board. So I think it's going to be really difficult to trade up, but I would definitely entertain it if um, we we knew who we wanted and it was Nate Caddy because I think he's the as I said before he's the kind of wild card in this draft, and it, we could easily look back in five years time or seven years time or eight years time and say he should have gone top three, and it was right in front of us because the blueprint was laid out by Charlie Kerner. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed, and I really want to get your thoughts on this, um, potentially saying to Geelong, we'll swap first-round picks this year and then next year um, oh. give, a, give a pick swap. Because potentially, you know, they, they could look at us and say, you know, that list composition could potentially be bottom four or five again, whereas we're considering ourselves a top four prospect. So you know, it could be disastrous for Geelong if it goes the opposite way. But, like, if I was them, I'd be strongly considering that, considering the the ways that those picks fall. Um, do you think something like that could unfold, or or do you think there's like probably more tantalising prospects out there? I know you mentioned Hawthorne. I know um, good mate of the show, Streb, is very very convinced that that <laughs> that, that, that pick's going to go. He's to, been reading uh, the big Hawthorne. footy forums, I reckon, Toddy. R- ridiculous how, how his confidence <laughs> levels and that, but um, yeah, I, I he's a conspiracist. I, I think, yeah, I would, um, yeah, and love your thoughts on this, but I think um, Dodoro could go out with a real bang in this this draft period and pull I, off something like that. And he, that could be his legacy. Like you were saying, if we could look back in three years' time and say Caddy has guided us back to the finals and winning a final, and it's on the back of Dodoro's brilliant trade in that period. I mean, we've had some great success in later rounds, but, yeah, it's 
if we could pull that off, top five prospect is yours saying that would be awesome. And yeah, you're getting me excited to get him in. I was really adamant that um, O'Sullivan, who you have us taking in your fan and draft, would be the guy for us. But yeah, Nate Caddy sounds like he would fit in almost round one and have um, have an instant impact. Well, yeah, it's interesting to look at our key forward stocks as well. Sam Wiedemann didn't come on as we'd hoped when we brought him in. Jaden Hunter, I think, is a really interesting prospect for us. He um, had a really good VFL game, and he was also he averaged the most game, uh, most goals per game in the waffle while he was over there with the uh, Perth Demons. So he's a guy that we're going to be hoping comes on. Um, and then you've got you know guys, <laughs> Harry Jones. We'll see what happens. He's also that kind of that third tall type. Um, so hopefully he comes on as well, but there is no blue chip kind of key forward next to Peter Wright in the wings for mine. Well, actually, let me, let me ask you this question first, Toddy, who was the last key forward Eston selected in the first round of the AFL draft? Joe Danaher. It was Joe Danaher in 2011. Who do you reckon was before that? Actually, it was probably Michael Hurley. Yeah, it was Jason Laycock and then Scott Gumbleton. It's yeah. it's um it's been a long time since we actually drafted a blue chip key forward, and I think that's where a lot of them come from in the first round. So yeah, uh, I think we should really be eyeing that position off with that first pick. Nate Caddy's the only one around that mark that um will really you know be in our hitting zone. Jordan Croft is a dog's father son key forward. He would be in our in our considerations if um, he was available in the open draft, but he's not. Let's move on to uh, one we've been talking about before. It's Spike's boy. It's Conor O'Sullivan. I know Mark McVeigh um, went on the lunchtime catch-up podcast with our good friend Scooter um, and talked this boy up. He's the Allies MVP after their undefeated national championships. He's a fullback, key defender, 198 centimetres, 92 kilos, really mature, like developed from Aubrey, your kind of um, area, Toddy, played for the Murray Bush Rangers. I have him ranked at nine. If he got to 11 for Eston, I'd be very happy with this selection. Yeah, he looks like the, the uh, great prospect. I know there was a lot of um, Essendon fans talking about how we bolstered our key forwards, our key defensive stock, sorry, um, and especially with the draft pick of Lewis Hayes last year. But I don't think you could ever have enough great um, key defensive key defensive players that are at top top tier. I mean, on paper you wouldn't think that Jake Lever and Stephen May would work, but they have been amazing for um, Melbourne. They've complemented each other perfectly. I think that's for me that's the blueprint for a great defense and. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have to get your opinion on this, but does O'Sullivan give you some Jake Lever vibes with the way he plays? Or is he a bit more aggressive with the ball, bit, a bit more aggressive in the contest? Because he, he seems like he reads the play really well like Lever and and um, can have that impact from the defensive half, much like yeah, much like the, the Crow slash Melbourne defender. I think he's got a, yeah, it's it's an interesting comp because Lever plays above his height. I think O'Sullivan just has the height already and um, what I love about him is his build is is really rock solid to play football early on, um, and then he gets involved in transition as well. He averaged twenty touches a game uh, and went through the midfield at times because his agility is really good for his size as well. So he has the closing speed. He's got the long limbs. He intercepts. He's he's got really safe hands in the air, and he can play transition footy as well. I, I love all of that about him. For me, Jake Lever's a bit um, of a yeah. He he doesn't do anything offensively and he just needs to be intercepting to be at his very best. Uh, for me, O'Sullivan's more of a Tom Barras kind of a build um, with, yeah, some really good offensive ability as well. 
That sounds good to me. I, I really like that prospect. I want to throw one name at you too um, that has popped up a few times, and that's um, Caleb Windsor. So this this guy, um, Speed Demon, as you've mentioned in your um, rankings, and you've got him at 19. So in an open pool with your rankings, he's going to be there um, at our pick. I don't think there's much conjecture there in terms of going before us. But is he a guy that you'd love to bring in? Um, is he someone you think that would be pretty handy? Um, I know... It's another slim frame, another kind of undersized midfielder slash winger um, that, you know, Dodora has loved over the journey. But um, the, that speed, <laughs> uh, ball use, it's it's something that's lacked from our, our club for the past two to three years with some, um, you know, Adam Saad going out to Carlton especially. So is he someone you'd be pretty happy with taking at that pick that we've got? Yeah, let me talk up his weapons before I explain why I have him a bit down in the rankings compared to others. Uh, firstly, he's he's incredibly fast. On the edge of packs, he's like bursting forward. He's really dangerous with the ball in hand because he has good disposal at full pace as well. And for an Essendon profile that we've kind of looked at um, just before, we lack a lot of pace and skill on the outside and we don't move the ball um, fantastically fast and that's something that I think Brad Scott would really want to improve. Caleb Windsor's a wingman type that can be really damaging forward of centre. He kicked a goal a game in the back half of his campaign um, with Easton and I, I think that there's a lot to work with for an AFL club here. My The reason I have him at 19 and not at 11 or 12 or 13 like Cal Toomey does um, is because he he's not a contested player at all. He has he hasn't shown that physicality in his game and he, he's, I don't think he's ever going to progress into a, an on-baller. Um, and for me, I think his upside's a little bit capped out on a wing or a half-forward flank or a half-back flank. Um, and that's not the type of player I would necessarily be looking for at pick you know, t- 10 or 11 or wherever we end up. So that's why I have him ranked a little bit lower because I think there are others with much higher upside in the draft, but he definitely feels a need on the list. It's a really interesting point. And I tend to agree with you. I mean, you've been really bullish on Nick Martin going from a wing into the midfield and that transition um, looks like it's one that's going to happen. And But if he can't make that transition from a, a wing slash halfback flank to an, a bona fide on ball, I don't think it's someone we should be targeting at that early pick. But another guy that really caught my eye in your um, rankings was Nick Watson, who a lot of pundits have been having him at, in the top five position. And you've got him in that draft range of four to six, but you've got him ranked at 10 overall, which is really interesting considering the skill set this guy has. I mean, everyone's seen, everyone who follows the draft has seen this guy's skill set below the knees around goal. But, you know, obviously the big, the big uh, crack on him is the, the, the size, 170 centimeters. It would make him one of the shortest AFL players straight off, straight off the bat as soon as he comes in. Um, do you think first and foremost, he's any chance to last anywhere near our pick? And if he is, would you be interested in bringing him in? Because, you know, that's what we lacked hugely with that uh, McDonald tip and Woody last year coming in as that small forward to make that impact. We really lacked genuine smalls around the contest when the ball hit the ground. Yeah. Well, the issue um, right now for us is that all our smalls are really young and Jade Gresham's come in, which is going to help a lot because I think he will play that small forward position as opposed to a midfield kind of position that he, he kind of had at the saints before Ross Lyon came in um, on Watson. The reason I haven't draft a little bit lower is because I think his defensive intensity and pressure is, is really poor. He kicked 70 goals across 
all competitions this year. He played for four or five different teams from club to representative level, and he looked awesome everywhere. He didn't, um, you know, as a small forward everywhere, he didn't play very well off a halfback flank when he was trialed there. He didn't play well on a wing. Um, so he is just a genuine small forward that plays, you know, above his height with some really good aerial ability. But um, for me, I'm a little bit worried about the defensive side of his game. And we know, Toddy, that is so important for our small forwards. It's the first line of defence for all AFL clubs now. And if you're not um, pressuring, I think you're struggling to make an impact at AFL level. I really wanted to get your thoughts before we moved on too about the comparison I had here for him. Was it Ben Ben Ainsworth? I remember his draft year, he was under he was underage and he and he was touted as the number one pick if he would went that draft year. And then his his actual draft he he fell away a bit. I think he was picked four to the Gold Coast, but his attributes remind me a lot of Nick Watson. That's the that's the the cap as you mentioned on him. I think that he could potentially be another Ben Ainsworth, a very good. AFL player, but not a, a game changer. And I think, you know, at that size, at um, at that, you know, first top 10, top five pick, I think a guy that plays in the fourth half has to be a game changer. And I don't really see it with him. So it's it's really interesting to see we're kind of aligned on that in terms of your rankings. Um, but it's scary. It's scary for clubs when you're drafting a 170 centimeter guy, when it hasn't historically always worked out at the top of the the draft, there's, you know, the warning like a like a Ben Ensworth, but at the same time, you know, Caleb Daniel was a dominant player in his junior career and he slid because of his size um, all the way to the dogs in, I think, the third round of 46-ish. Um, and he's become a fantastic All-Australian caliber player um, for the dogs. So, you know, it, it, the, the height isn't everything. For me, I think it's the defensive application um, and just the inability to kind of play in a variety of positions right now. There, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on him going to the next level. Just one last name I wanted to throw your way. You've got him ranked at 30 here. It's Archer Reed. So this is the brother of Zach. Um, you're, you've mentioned here, Reed has all the tools to be the star at the next level. His height, aerobic capacity, and safe hands. So he looks like a great prospect, but um, you've got him in the 20 to 35 range. Um, is he someone we should target with our second pick? And potentially, if he's thereabouts, um, would you trade up for him? Is he, uh, as you mentioned, a lot like a lot of these names you put forward, um, the tools are there. Is he is he worth having a, a swing for the fences if he's there a little bit before our pick? We know he may not potentially last. Yeah, I love his upside. I think um, to get him, we'll probably have to trade up at least above Richmond, who's a couple picks ahead of us in the second round um, because they, they are all in on Archer Reed. I love his upside because he's got these long limbs. He's really tall at 203 centimetres. And he is a little bit more physically developed than uh, Zach Reed was at that same age. He's 93 kilos. I only think he needs to put on another six kilos of muscle. So he's actually a bit more physically developed than um, his older brother was at the same age. Obviously, the stress fractures are like going to be a worry with a guy of his size and considering the history of Zach Reed. So that's something that will come into consideration for clubs and it may see him slide a little bit. I think 30 is about right simply because we haven't seen the best of him over this year. He was really good in his bottom age campaign, really promising, but he didn't kick too many goals this year. He went through the ruck a fair bit um, and, you know, got pushed around a little bit and just didn't make a position his own. And I think the the upside is incredible, but it's a big punt to be taking in the first round. So I think he'll slide into the second round. And just lastly, another brother, we've um, we've touched on this guy a lot, uh, Zane Dersma, sorry. 
we spoke before we started recording about um, Clarko and um, North Melbourne strategy yep. going into this one. He's apparently infatuated, and we never quite know of it with this stuff. With Western Australian um, prospect Dan Curtin, a lot of talk about him potentially going to West Coast with that pick one. That won't happen. Harley Reid will definitely go there. But um, North Melbourne potentially eyeing him off, which means you know Zane Dersmer could potentially miss that top four, top five draft um, ranking. Would you – trade it and go hard for him is he that good of a prospect that you would you know potentially mortgage next year's draft to bring him in or would you say a Nate Caddy it's it's worth just playing it safe and seeing how the chips fall there with him or is you know Durs bringing Dursbury in really worth you know swinging for the fences and getting him in I think Nate Caddy's um like a really good option if he slides a little bit further for, da- for Zane Dursman I can't see it happening I just can't see him sliding if he does manage to get past North Melbourne, um, Hawthorne won't hesitate to to pick him up. So that's the furthest that I see him getting, unfortunately. And uh, to your point about, you know, is it worth mortgaging the future for him? Absolutely it is. I would trade our pick in our future first to get up to pick four to grab him. But um, I just don't, I don't see a world in which Hawthorne would be accepting that. And I don't see a world in which we, Zane Dersma gets into a position for us to um, be able to be able to make a trade like that. So he's a bit of the case of he's just been too good this year. In the, in the back half of the year, his um, forward half ability is unbelievable. That's really interesting you say that because, um, yeah, it's clubs don't potentially want to take that risk. And I think Melbourne are being really good at exploiting drafts, trading out, trading back in, of getting prospects. Like Luke Jackson was a prime example Um Clayton Oliver, even to an extent, around that Darcy Parish, Aaron Francis draft where we just missed out on him, just taking risks and paying off handsomely. I think if the prospect's there, it'll be tough. And I don't think, like you said, Hawthorne will snap him up straight away if he gets there and it will take something monumental to prime out. But I would love to try and get him in because that brotherly connection and then just that skill set he brings through everything we've seen through this draft and the build-up to it, he just looks amazing and exactly what we need. I would love to find a way to get him in. But um, just before we go, so we've only got like nine minutes left of this meeting. Uh, makes it tough. We can't talk about everything. Can't talk about everything we want. But if everything falls the way it, it, it's gonna, going to, according to your phantom draft, um, O'Sullivan, you're going to be happy with that? Or would you? are you really adamant that we need to make a trade to get Nate Caddy in? No, I I really like O'Sullivan. Um, I spoke to Spike after the Allies, and I, I kind of went through a few things that I saw from O'Sullivan that were incredible. He, he played on, you know, during during training. Spike was saying he, he played on Jed Walter, who was is the going to be the pick two to um, Gold Coast, and he he looked the party. He, he kind of nullified him at, at Allies training, and then he went and he played on the best key forwards around the country, and he looked fantastic. Um, he, he's just so assured of himself and confident in the air. And it's something that we really could use because we've got great interceptors back there, including Jordan Ridley, but we don't have that size. And at 198, 92 kilos already at 18 years old, I think he works perfectly for our list strategy. He's played through the midfield a bit. He could potentially play up forward. I know um, some fans get upset that, you know, you're drafting someone and then you're like, he could become a forward, he can become a midfielder. But we don't know about these kids yet. We, we don't know if they've been playing in their best position at junior footy because they've only played the one position. So you've got, you got to find out about all of that stuff. And I think, you know, you look at Jordan Ridley, who was drafted as a wingman, he became a you know intercepting defender very quickly. So um, all of that stuff, I think, really works in 
his favour to be picked up by Essendon. I know there are a lot of clubs really interested in our pick. So I'll quickly go through the machinations and potential for us to trade back as well and split that pick. Toddy, it would be for two firsts, maybe North Melbourne, maybe Adelaide. They both have three um, later first round picks that they could give us two of to trade back. The one player that I see us linked to heavily is Riley Hardiman. He's number 21 on my power rankings. He's a WA halfback with good pace, really penetrating left foot kick, runs all day um, and has leadership aspirations. So he's a, he's a leader. He's a captain of WA and he has those aspirations at the next level, really level-headed guy, mature, competitive. I like him. Um, another guy who I, who I think we could be trading back to, to pick up with one of those picks is Archer Reed, who we um, spoke about already. And then finally... The one that I think is a little chance if we do trade back um, would be Darcy Wilson, the Murray Bush Rangers wingman. He's been the um, teammate of Conor Sullivan. He's kicked you know a goal a game, averaging about twenty eight touches in the Coast Talent League off a wing. He can he's got that probably like third tall kind of size as well up forward because he we took out the vertical leap um, in the national combine. He's really fast. He came second in the two kilometer time trial. He's just an elite athlete. Um, and I think that he's a little chance if we do move back as well. Some really interesting insights there. And it's going to be really, it's going to be really interesting to see who is going to be available at that pick. Um, I'll, I'm not opposed at all to um, trading back. If you, you know, the exact guy that we don't want there, Conor O'Sullivan or Nate Cady sounds great. But there's also some great prospects, as you've mentioned, that could potentially come in later in the piece. But um, that's about all the time we've got for today. Um, Jasper, what do you reckon we uh, catch up again next week after the draft? We can get your your thoughts and um, and just a, a brief chat about the players we picked up and your um, overall expectations going forward. Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea, Toddy. Quickly, in a few words, what do you make of the uh, fixture? I had a little look at it. I haven't had a full deep dive on the Essendon fixture, but I love that we've got West Coast twice. I think that's a great result. And we've only got Geelong once. We don't travel down there. So that's a good result. That's only one loss that we're going to have this year. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was really interested to see, and you said it, so uh, kudos to you. You said it before everyone else. They all jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, Essen playing Fremantle at the MCG. That's really good to see. I'll, okay, what, what was it? Was it uh, 1999 or something? 1999, yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But um, yeah. it's great to see. And um, the only thing I'm disappointed about is traveling again for um the before Anzac Day. It always seems to happen when we play Collingwood. They play, they stay in Melbourne, get a perfect build up, and we travel. But I, I mentioned it briefly um about um gather round on Twitter about the fact that we play Port Adelaide over there. That's actually I think that's a good thing. It's basically playing an away game when everyone has to travel to Adelaide. I thought that was kind of beneficial in our favor. But yeah, playing West Coast hugely. Huge coup um, playing free over here gives us a better chance. We've been pretty ordinary against them at in Optus Stadium, so yeah, we've been yeah. ordinary against them in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, we went to that game at um Marvel Stadium <laughs> last year. That was just that was ever seen, ever seen. But I think um, any Essendon fan would be pretty bullish about what they've seen, and there's no excuses going into next year for fit. We're firing. Finals should be on the horizon. Exactly right, Toddy. I love that. Um, let me give you a couple of late names in the draft that I think could be available and I absolutely love. Toe Jath, he is the brother of Chankwath, um, the Hawks. He's a Hawthorne NGA player and I have him in um, in the Phantom going to us. I've heard a couple 
rumors about us interviewing him a, a few times. So we're definitely interested. Um, he plays similar to Chankworth. He's a little bit more defensively minded um, and he, he's a bit bigger. So he has kind of third tall size, which is really exciting, I think. Um, but that rebounding ability, that excitement, I think is really good. Um, and then Cooper Simpson, I would love to see us pick this guy up late in the piece. I think he has top 15 potential um, based on talent alone. He's got this, the, the way he moves is like Luke Davies Uniac. He's so smooth and graceful, um, balanced on his feet. He gets the handballs out and he's explosive out of the contest as well. So I'd love to see us have a little look at him as well. Toddy, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been good to get back into the flight plan groove. We've taken a little bit of time off, I think, because we lost like 15 games in a row to end the year and we'll just a little bit shell-shocked about it all, but um, it's been great to see you again. Yeah, great to get your insights on the draft. Um, check out Jasper on Twitter. Um, he's been doing some great stuff with ESPN, great write-ups, and there's going to be a great video dropping, I'm assuming, pretty soon, podcasts, all the works. Um, we'll catch up again after Monday's draft, um, but I'm, yeah, really enthusiastic to hear what everyone's thoughts are about um, Jasper's thoughts on the draft. Um, yeah, and looking forward to the chat afterwards. Thanks again, Jasper.